Hi there. So I want to talk to you about the hidden hand. The unseen or unconscious forces which drive the creation and the distribution of value in our world. And how these hidden forces sort of become hidden in the first place and contribute to a collective sense of unconsciousness in our society. What I mean by this is you don't know anything about the car that you drive, most likely. You don't know anything about the clothes that you wear, the people that go into making them, the person who designed the clothes that you wear, the the places where the fabrics were processed and consumed, the person who did the accounting for the company that you buy your clothes from. You don't know anything about the internal workings of the system that delivers you the clothing on your back. That's hidden from you. You just know the price of it. The price on the market. So the market gives you an upfront representation of the value of something. without telling you anything about the nature of the conditions under which that value was produced. More so than that, there are several little tricks the market plays on you. Not only does it not tell you where the value that you consume comes from, but it also tells you that you need to keep consuming it. The market is in the business of constantly telling you that you're not enough, of making you into a consumer. And so your teeth aren't white, your teeth aren't white enough, your skin isn't clear enough. You're not in good enough shape. You don't drive a nice enough car or a new enough car or you don't have the right car insurance or house insurance or health insurance. You don't have the right anything. You don't have enough. Or whatever you have isn't right. You need this. You need to consume this. You need to consume that. You don't live in the right neighborhood, etc., etc. You see it all over the place in advertising. The point of advertising is simply to make you feel insufficient to make you feel as though you are lacking in some way. And most people just buy into that. Most people just buy into the fact that they're in some way lacking. And the evidence of this lack is that they don't have enough of what they feel they want or need or deserve. And so the market is in the business of making you into a consumer. But the way you become a consumer is by first being a producer producer of what? Of value for the market. You see, all value is produced through human perception. All that. There's nothing that has value that isn't valuable because we perceived it, we, the humans, perceived it to be that way. So we, human beings, are the creators of value. 
the value of a bar of gold, you can't find it by taking a microscope to it. You can't find it in the elemental or atomic composition of it. You can't find it by weighing it or lifting it or throwing it up and down or hammering it against something. The only way you can find the value of a bar of gold is by consulting other people. What is the value of this on the market? And so other people, including you, create the value of things. And so you, as a creator of value, are told that you don't yourself have enough value. And this is what pushes you into consumerism. You haven't had enough dates. You haven't, I mean, the market can sell you anything. People will buy anything. Whatever it is. So, the market is in the business of selling you your insufficiency. So your job is to contribute to the market, contribute your value to the market in order to receive it back in the form of currency, money, so that you can buy the trappings of value. You can buy the value that other people have created and this will make you feel or should make you feel more sufficient. If you just had the right silverware in your kitchen, the right size of kitchen, or whatever it might be, then that would mean you were more valuable. And so this is how the market lies to you. It tells you you're not enough, but give yourself over to us so that we can make you enough. This is happening all the time. And so these, this is the unconscious force of the market. Is that everyone is running around scrambling like hell to account for, to cover for their own insufficiencies. perceived insufficiencies and that fuels the delusion of the self the delusion of me I am myself, my image of myself, my concept of myself, my perception of myself. And so my goal as an individual is to improve my perception of myself, to increase my value. And the way I do that again is by acquiring things that are of value to other people. And so if I have the nicest sunglasses on the market, then I'm valuable because I have taken that value. I've been able to purchase that value 
that another person has created and put that on my face. I have the right to put those sunglasses on my face or that watch on my wrist. And maybe if I just continue increasing my value, then other people will care and will notice me. And maybe if I just had that nicer watch, she would have noticed me. Or if I just had that nicer bag, she would have noticed me. Because I don't know if you noticed, but both men and women buy things, material things, to impress women. Meaning like men don't really care what kind of bag you're carrying. From men to women, men don't care what kind of like bag you have or what kind of car you have or any anything about the nature of your material existence. We're looking at your personality and your physical beauty. That's it. That's all that makes a man value a woman. Are you agreeable in terms of personality and are you beautiful in terms of physicality? Everything else is just surplus. Or just what would you say mascara if you will everything else is just either icing on the cake or just plain icing with no cake and so we're taught by the market in very unconscious and yet overt ways that we aren't enough and that in order to be enough we need to consume we need to consume what the market has to offer us and then we will be enough we will feel good enough but that enough never comes because you're trying to fill a void that can never be satisfied because it's fun it's based on a fundamental misconception. The fundamental misconception being of a separate self. So long as you conceive yourself to be of separate substance than the reality that you inhabit, you will always be at at odds with that reality and will always be forever in need of something from it. I'll try that again. As long as you perceive yourself to be of separate substance from the reality that you inhabit, you will always be at odds with that reality and you will always be in need of something from it. You can never just be what you are. That's frightening. I can't just relax. I can't just be what I am. And then you'll say, well, what about stoners? What about people who are potheads? All they do is relax. And I say they're still consuming. They're still consuming a particular product from the market. They really can't be themselves, so to speak. They're being themselves plus a chemical compound. It's very rare that a human being can just sit and be them without much distraction or ornamentation added on to their experience so you always need to be having a drink or you always smoking something or or you always need to be working on something or just doing something or getting somewhere you can't just be where you are 
There's no, there's no sensation of that anymore, of the value of being where you are or what you are. There's always, I need to have something more to be more, to get more. And that, again, perpetuates the delusion that there is someone here to get more. There is someone here that's lacking and needs to get more from the world. And that's a trap. It's a self-perpetuating cycle. And so all I can do here is point that out, draw attention to that, and let the human beings who want to hear it, hear it. Because as I say this, make no mistake, there are going to be people who resist it. This is not comfortable to recognize the nature of your delusion. The veil that has been drawn over your eyes by your environment telling you that you are not only separate from your environment, but an insufficient separate piece of your environment. And that your goal, your job, is to acquire sufficiency through material gain. This has been beaten and programmed and drilled into us from the time that we can remember, from our earliest days of education. Our education is a graduatory system. You graduate from this and then you're slightly, you're more this. And so you get out of kindergarten and you get to first grade and now you're in grade school. Then you finally graduate grade school and then you're finally, you're in middle school and now you're in middle school. But that's not enough. You need to graduate middle school and then you're in high school. And then once you graduate high school, well then you need to graduate on to college more than likely because you're just not enough. You're not enough out of high school. You're not good enough for the market anymore. Increasingly, you're not good enough out of college. Even when you graduate college, you're not good enough because you need to have graduated and also have experience. The almighty mythical experience. The catch-22, the paradox of experience. Which is that how are you supposed to get experience unless someone gives you experience? How are you supposed to have on-the-job experience for something if you can't get a job? And so the requirement of a job for you to have experience doing something prevents you from getting the experience you need to actually perform at the job you want to do. This isn't news to you. You know this. This part isn't news to you. The part about the delusion of your sense of identity or self, that might be new to you, depending on what you've been participating on through the internet lately. Because this is becoming increasingly more commonplace of a viewpoint to recognize that the self is fundamentally a sort of delusional construct a sort of mental abstraction that we take far, far, far too seriously just like we take the abstraction of money far, far too seriously 
the self and, and money are, are very, very closely tied in terms of the delusional qualities of them. And so nonetheless, again, in this consumerist market, you were constantly you're constantly ascending to something. You're constantly graduating towards something. Where you are and what you have and who you are and how you live is not enough, is never enough. And so once you graduate college, let's say you're lucky enough because the, the economy just probably won't allow it because it's so broken and delusional and, and greed-centered that most people cannot find employment because there just isn't enough capital going around for people to be employed and to be of service to their communities and to their industries of choice, whatever it might be. But let's say you were lucky enough to graduate into a job, a good job, but that's not enough. That's not where you want to be in life. That's not satisfying. You just want to be a worker for the rest of your life. Don't you want to be an owner? Don't you want to don't you want to be a manager at the very least? And so you're not you're never done graduating. You're never done improving. You're never done ascending or or acquiring or getting or becoming. You're just always on the path of becoming. Because even when you are promoted when you graduate when you ascend to manager well there's a general manager and so you still have a boss and you don't like having a boss you'd rather be the boss so you've got to work three or four or five or seven or eight more years in the company so that you can become the general manager and then once you have it once you become the general manager Maybe you're satisfied there, but probably not because you still answer to the VP. And so you, you strive to become the VP, but the VP still answers to the board of directors. And the board of directors still answer to the shareholders. And so you've got to graduate into your life. You're never actually good enough to live under the free market economy, the quote free market. Maybe the market is free, meaning the market doesn't need you, but you most certainly need it. You can't survive. You're not going to slay your own cattle. You're not going to plant your own vegetables. You're not going to design and then weave your own clothings or build your own houses so you're dependent on the market because other people with those skills are going to do those things for you so long as you have value to contribute to them and so the market is constantly telling you that you don't have enough value see what we're driving at here and this is a very unconscious force very unconscious process the market is constantly dictating to you that you are worth less and that you you need to get more 
And so, but if everyone's trying to get more, then there just isn't enough. Because everyone's in this survivalist, competitive survivalist mentality. But the thing is, this is new. This competitive survivalism is completely new. Meaning, in the past, humans had to cooperate. They had to work together to take down that bison. They had to work together to bring in the crops. They had to do things cooperatively. It couldn't be just a a me, me, me system. At least not the majority of people. Maybe, Maybe there's a small minority that could afford to be selfish. As, as time went on. If you look at the roots of human history and how we survived for millennia before we developed sophisticated civilization, it was cooperation, not competition, that pulled us forward. But again, in this market of arbitrary value you are compelled to compete with your fellow man instead of cooperate because I need to have more than you because I need to show that I'm worth more than you and so I'm deserving of more than you and so I need to dominate you in some way or just prove that I'm superior to you. And so we've moved away from a cooperative model of survival into a competitive one. And where that leads is that some people are either extremely good at competition or extremely privileged in their place in the competitive hierarchy. Like, I hate this, this, like, bootstrap mentality and this sort of heroism that is applied to people who are extremely successful in the, in the free market economy as if they just did it all on their own and pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps like Elon Musk wasn't the inheritant of like several apartheid company companies which he used to parlay into his own businesses and this doesn't mean he didn't work hard at his own businesses it means he had enough capital and enough of a comfortable lifestyle to freely create his own businesses or as if Bill Gates wasn't the son of like two doctors or like a doctor and a lawyer or something who wanted him to go to either medical or or law school. One of those extremely privileged classes of people. As if he was just some, you know, dirt poor country kid who took an interest in computers and turned that into a, you know, multi-billion dollar empire. No, his parents were already millionaires. This isn't to take away from anything he's done. It's to point out that this 
competitive market as opposed to a cooperative one does not start with a level playing field. And so this idea that if you just compete hard enough, you can catch up to anyone is in complete ignorance of that fact. That you are born into a circumstance where you're going to have the leg up on some people and other people are going to have the leg up on you. That's what competition means. And so there are people born into specific levels of privilege in the society. And to act like that that can just be made irrelevant through hard work is ignorant. And so nonetheless, these are the, and, and that you should be doing that anyway, that, that the goal of your life is to be striving towards um, the capitalist consumerist definition of success, which is just materialism. A large quantity of very high quality material things that that is going to determine the value of your life. We just buy into presumption after presumption without really paying attention to it and so these things are hidden from us so the fact that we are all essentially of one substance of the same fundamental reality is hidden from us by the nature of our social relationship to the market because we are taught and encouraged to compete through the market instead of cooperate through the market the presumption is that we are separate individuals and that I, my value, my life must come at the expense of yours. Maybe to a degree it does. Right? Like I like chicken. In order for me to enjoy chicken, a chicken has to die. And so there's this sort of dog-eat-dog uh, dog approach that is encouraged in our society. Which is, which overshadows the fundamental unity that underlies our actual existences because we can relate to each other as consumers on a market we can pretend to be separate and private individuals but the truth is what I consume is a product of what everyone else produces And so I can't have an individual existence. I cannot build my own home and supply my own electricity and cook and create my own food, hunt and cook and, and, and create my own food. I can't do all of that for myself. 
I require other people and other people require me. Everyone is in this mutually interdependent web of relationships with each other and that's how we further our own existences. But the culture hides that from us and tells us that as a consumer, you are a separate individual and that you are mo your greatest concern is to compete and get the most for your separate slice of the world. In addition to hiding from you the fact that The amount of value that you contribute to a given enterprise in the market is rarely, if ever, congruent with the amount of value that you'll get back from it. And so the market is actively invested in receiving more value than it distributes. Because if it gave away more value than what it received, it would disintegrate. It would collapse. If everyone got more money to buy goods and services than what they contributed to those goods and services, there would be no goods and services left. They would all be bought out. They would be gone. So there needs to be more contributors than there are consumers. Or there needs to be a higher level even if the number of contributors and consumers are the same, there needs to be a higher level of contribution to the market than what the market distributes. But that's hidden from you. You don't, you don't recognize that. You may have a vague sense of it, or if you research it, you might have a very strong and very cognizant sense of it. But the average market consumer does not recognize this. They're not aware of it. They just, they're aware of a general sense of being exploited or a general sense of dissatisfaction with their lives. But they don't know how or why that is the case. They just feel as though they're being milked. And so these are just some of the hidden factors that again drive the creation and distribution of value in our world and we're going to more than likely be covering this topic a little bit more in depth as we go forward but that'll be all for now thank you and goodbye